Hello, I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Katie Sewell. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. Now, on Monday, we explored what life is like living abroad as an au pair, living with a host family and caring for their kids. We explored the good experiences and the bad. I hope you'll take a listen if you haven't already. I never was an au pair. And to be honest, I don't think I even considered the idea of doing something like that. When I was between the ages of 18 and 30, which is the typical age of people who participate in this kind of cultural exchange, I think we are often so limited in our ideas of what we can do by what we've been exposed to. And while I had a couple of friends that went abroad during that age bracket, Tiffany included, I never felt like that was something that I could do. So instead, I worked as a temp worker, and I spent years as a waitress in a bar. And eventually, I got an internship at a national public radio station, all while staying at home. But when it comes to caring for other people's children, that is something I do have some experience with. For many years, particularly when I was middle school age, I really enjoyed it. I thought I was good at it. But I think it may have also contributed to not wanting to have kids of my own. Now, there are many reasons I made the decision not to have my own kids. But regularly caring for other people's children did let me in on the secret that sometimes it is really, really boring. Sometimes it's very frustrating. You just cannot get the child to stop crying. I I still vividly remember once laying on the floor and pulling a wooden dog on wheels back and forth for over an hour because it was the only way the baby I was watching would not cry. If I stopped the dog, the crying started again. But I really learned a lot when I agreed to babysit two sisters once a week for an entire year. They were both extremely energetic and inventive, and they liked me a lot, and I liked them. Until we got to bedtime. I have never experienced two young women more able to delay the inevitable. Getting them to bed took hours, and even when they were in bed, the calls for more stories were endless, and if I wasn't reading to them, one sister was trying to wind up the other one. It was an untenable situation, and one I had unfortunately agreed to encounter once a week for a year, so something had to change. And you know what finally worked? Memorizing stories. Not reading to them, telling a story aloud. And there really is something wonderful about hearing a story told. And because even then, in middle school, I was obsessed with audio entertainment. Turns out I had a lot of stories memorized, word for word, as someone else had written them, because I had listened to them over and over and over again. So eventually, the sisters and me established a rhythm. They lay in their bunks, and I turned off the lights and began to talk. I'd talk while walking in circles through and around their stuffed animals. Sometimes they would ask me questions, 
but mostly they just listened. Until eventually, and inevitably, they fell asleep. So today I want to play you one of the stories that I memorized and said aloud so long ago in that very restless bedroom. It's a classic story, one you may know, though you may not have heard this version of it. It's called The Monster in the Labyrinth. It's a creative radio production read aloud by Dermot Crowley and recorded at the Barge Studios in London in the 1980s. And while you listen to this story, you might hear a little bit of a hiss. That's because this is from an old cassette. Maybe a nostalgic sound for some of you. And if you hear a ding from time to time, well, that's the signal to turn the page. So let's all be kids again and hear a story. The Monster in the Labyrinth Long, long ago in Greece, there lived a brave young prince called Theseus. His father was King Aegeus, and he ruled the beautiful city of Athens. One day, when Theseus was down by the harbour, he saw a crowd of people, all weeping. Seven young men and seven maidens were being taken aboard a black-sailed ship, their hands tied together with cords. Who are all these people on the quay? Theseus asked a sailor. Oh, they're the families of the fourteen victims to be sacrificed. You see the seven young men and the seven maidens? They're being sent to Crete. Poor souls. How I pity them. Why? What will happen to them? Bless you, boy, don't you know? They are to be fed to the terrible minotaur that lives in the labyrinth. Theseus had heard of the minotaur, the hideous monster with the body of a giant man and the head of a bull. It had deadly horns, enormous teeth, and lived in a vast maze in the cellars of the palace on Crete, devouring human beings. So many were the passages of the labyrinth that no one who entered could ever find their way out. Theseus rushed back to his father's palace. Father, he cried, I have just seen fourteen young Athenians being taken aboard ship bound for Crete. Why must we send them to be sacrificed to that terrible beast, the Minotaur? Because, my son, long ago... There was a war between Athens and Crete. Athens was defeated, and ever since then we have had to send a tribute to Crete every seven years. A tribute of human sacrifices. If we do not send these seven young men and seven maidens to be fed to the Minotaur, the king of Crete will start the war again, and many of our people will die. What if the Minotaur was killed? No one has ever come out of the labyrinth alive. Either the Minotaur kills them, or they are lost forever in the maze. Theseus ran back to the harbour, down to the ship with the black sails, to where the young men and maidens were waiting. Their families and friends were still weeping on the dockside. People of Athens, he shouted, do not weep! For I am going to Crete to slay the Minotaur. And with these words, Theseus boarded the ship and set sail for Crete.
After many days at sea, they arrived at the beautiful island of Crete. High on a cliff stood the magnificent marble palace of King Minos. His soldiers led the young men and maidens up the cliff path. Inside the palace, everything was painted gold and silver. The rooms were full of the richest furniture, with fighting bulls and leaping dolphins painted on every wall. In the great hall, King Minos sat on a golden throne. He had a long white beard and wore silk robes. I expected only 14. Uh, why does King Aegeus send 15? Theseus stepped forward. I am Prince Theseus, son of King Aegeus. I have come to slay the Minotaur and free my people from this terrible debt. Brave words, said the king with an evil smile. Since you are so keen to meet our monster, you can be the first man to enter the labyrinth tomorrow. In a corner of the great hall stood the lovely Princess Ariadne. When she saw Theseus, she fell in love with him at once. I must help this brave and handsome young man, she thought. That night, she crept to his room. Prince... Theseus, she whispered. I cannot help you slay the Minotaur, but I can help you escape from the labyrinth. You must accept my help or you will die. Gladly, princess, replied Theseus. Then take this sword and this ball of thread and hide them under your robe. When you enter the maze, tie the end of the thread to the door and unwind it as you go through the dark corridors. It's your only hope of finding your way out once you've killed the Minotaur. I will wait for you at the door. You must take me with you back to Athens. My father will kill me if he discovers I have helped you to escape. Of course I will, princess, said Theseus gently, for I already love you. At dawn the next day, the king's soldiers led Theseus down to the labyrinth. When the door closed behind him, he was plunged into darkness. Taking the ball of thread out from under his robe, Theseus tied one end to the door. He could feel the steep walls of rock on either side of him. Slowly, he made his way down the narrow path, uncoiling the thread as he went. Further on, a little light crept down through the palace floor, and he could see heaps of skulls and bones on the ground. Then he heard a terrible roar echoing through the passages. The dreadful sound came nearer and nearer. Theseus could feel the thud of the monster's feet coming towards him. Suddenly, the hideous creature leapt at him, bellowing and roaring. But the prince sprang aside, 
clinging to the rock. Again, the beast lunged at him, and this time Theseus struck him a mighty blow on the chest. The Minotaur fell back, stunned, and Theseus grabbed hold of its huge, sharp horns. With all his might, he held the beast down. The Minotaur roared again, gnashing its enormous teeth. Theseus swiftly drew his sword and thrust it three times into the Minotaur's heart. The beast roared once more and then lay still. In the darkness, Theseus fumbled for the dropped reel of thread. He found it and then followed it hand over hand through the dark, winding corridors of the labyrinth. At last, he reached the door where Ariadne was standing. Seeing Theseus spotted with blood, she rushed up to him and embraced him passionately. We must hurry, or my father's guards will find us. Then Ariadne led Theseus to where their ship lay anchored. There, waiting for them, were the seven youths and seven maidens. And as the sun rose, they set sail for Athens. Did you fall asleep? Isn't it fun to hear a story aloud? Whether or not you liked that story, isn't it just fun to hear someone tell you a story? Now, for me personally, having been on a walking tour with Tiffany, that's kind of what it's like. It's like being told a story, but instead of drifting off, you're standing in the real world. And if Tiffany's telling you about a labyrinth, you're probably walking through it at the same time. So many times I've been in Rome, I've thought, this is like living in a story. This is like living in thousands of stories. And if you've been listening for the last couple of weeks, you know that this October 2023, you are invited to join Tiffany and I for a storytelling adventure in Rome. We're gathering on October 8th and staying to the 14th. We've limited the number of rooms that can be claimed to 10. This is going to be a really small group. There's no getting lost in the bustle of a touring crowd of people. This is the first and possibly the only bittersweet life adventure we're going to take. And when you're not exploring with us, we'll be giving you guides to great places to eat and wonderful parks to visit, suggested itineraries of things you might want to see, and so much more. You're truly going to experience Rome in a way no larger tour company can provide you. You'll be touring Rome with us. You're longtime friends on the podcast, and you'll be hearing the stories behind all the marvelous things that you're seeing. You can get more information and claim your spot right now, today, right after you stop listening, by emailing bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. That's bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. Tiffany and I truly cannot wait to take this adventure, and we're really hoping that you want to come along. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>